You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Hey, we're talking about prayer here, and uh, I want to continue that again uh, tonight. Last week, we talked a little bit about some of the elements that um, impact some of the variables when it comes to prayer. And uh, I want to continue down that theme again tonight. All right, let's pray. Father, we do love you so much. And God, we ask that you would fill each one of us with the life and the breath of God. Father, we want to be people fully alive in you. Jesus, we want to be people that know you, that walk with you, and that are strong when it comes to prayer. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us up, God. We pray that you would lead us and guide us. We pray that you would uh, reveal the scriptures to us tonight. And everybody shouted, amen? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, one of the core distinctives that we want to be, both as uh, Furnace 24-7, as disciples of Jesus, is we want to be people that really not only believe in prayer, not only believe that it matters, but that we, we want to be- actually do it. Hey, everybody, need- you need to get pens and notebooks out. This isn't church. This is, uh, this is the- at the gathering here. This is kind of like a class. So make sure and have pens and notebooks out every week, all right, um, just for future reference. Uh, and, so, and, so, and so one of the things that uh, is so important that I believe to uh, sustain prayer is that we understand these things. But in addition to sustaining a passion for prayer, there's some other elements that uh, we need in our lives in order to be more effective in prayer. So there's a couple ways where people eventually give up on the command of always pray and don't give up. One is a sustained, a sustained passion is often difficult. But another one is because there's not some other areas in their lives that are uh, some other areas that that, that kind of, uh, when we look at the Bible that uh, are are represented, their prayers are ineffective. And so tonight I want to talk about some of those things. I want to continue. Uh, Last week, I don't know if you remember, we talked about some of the variables uh, in prayer. One of them was we talked about praying according to God's will, the importance of that. Number two, we talked about faith. And we went through the life of Jesus and we, we saw how there were some miracles that were pray, that prayed for that were affected based upon the individual intercessor's faith, others based upon the people being prayed for's faith. And so number one, one of the things that matters when it comes to prayer is God's will. Another variable or you could say characteristic or dynamic when it comes to prayer is faith. All right. In addition, persistence. We talked about that last week. We also talked about numbers. Do you remember that? Is this starting to ring a bell? Remember we talked about these ideas last week? You should remember because we talked for almost an hour and a half. And so thank you for coming back this week. That's a miracle in itself. And that's because we persisted in prayer for you to be here again. But anyway, so, uh, and so those were the elements that we talked about last week. Tonight I want to touch on a few more. Um, The the first one I want to talk about is uh, a consecrated heart. When it comes to your prayer life and living in holiness. Psalm 66 verse 18 reads like this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Let me read that again. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Ha! Huh? That's a tough verse. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Let me read it out of the message version. If I had been cozy with evil, Hmm, sounds romantic. All of you here cozy and you, never mind. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would never have listened. 
But he most surely did listen. He came on the double when he heard my prayer. One of the things that's easy to do, especially when you're committed to prayer like we're committed to by being in these internships, one of the things that's easy to do is to think that because I'm consistent in prayer, it offsets my lack of holiness. It's easy to think that, okay, well, because I'm consistent and I keep coming after God every day, after all, I'm in a structure where I'm demanded to be at a prayer meeting or demanded to spend time with God or demanded to come after God, maybe because I'm doing that, it, it, God will kind of look down, kind of wash out the fact and kind of overlook the fact that I'm sitting here and he'll hear my prayer and maybe they'll offset. It's like penalties in football, you know, penalty on the offense, penalty on the defense, penalties offset. And so let's go, you know, still fourth down. And so sometimes we think, because I'm doing that, I'm all right. But one of, the, one of the realities when it comes to prayer is it's not something that God looks down at and goes, oh, you know what, because you put in more time in the prayer room, it offsets holiness. No, those things both matter in his heart. And when holiness does not exist in our heart, it affects your prayer life. When there's not a consecrated heart, when we get cozy with sin, say cozy. And it's easy to get cozy with sin. It's easy to uh, slowly get cozy with sin. We don't immediately get cozy with sin. Cozy with sin kind of happens over time. Where we tolerate a little bit of exaggeration that moves into a little bit of lying that turns into being a liar. Or we tolerate a little bit of lust, which turns into a little bit more lust, which turns into pick your buffet of lust opportunities. Or we tolerate a little bit of a bad attitude, which allows a little bit of bitterness, which then allows a little bit of envy, which then internally causes us to possess an enemy in our heart. But most of the time, the way that sin starts is you just kind of start to get used to it. You kind of allow something small to not be worked through, and you get cozy with the small sin. You just get used to it. And I want to encourage you that in your journey in prayer, in your prayer life, each one of you is intercessors. As we, as a people, come before God and pray, I want to encourage each one of you guys to deal often before God in this area of holiness. We don't come in here and take the microphone, start screaming in prayer, and think, hey, because I'm screaming in prayer, I'm offsetting the fact of what I'm doing on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Friday night. And go, well, because I, you know, I'm, I'm praying, hopefully, you know, they'll offset the reality is we want to be, the, as Christians, we want the fullness of consistency in prayer and we will become more effective when there's holiness in our lives. And we want the fullness of holiness, we want the fullness of effective prayer. Isaiah 59.1 reads like this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This is one of the most scary verses to me. In other words, there's much that God's willing to do. His arm is not too short to save, but your action of immorality is affecting the measure of his activity in rescuing you. His activity in what you're standing in the gap for, your prayer matters here. And your holiness matters. And if you want an effective prayer life, if you want to be effective in prayer, 
holiness matters. A consecrated heart matters. One of the most effective ways to create an ineffective prayer life is to become cozy with sin. Just get used to it. Just kind of begin to tolerate of it. Inevitably, that leads us to the question, okay, David, how, how then do I come before God? Because you and I know that all of us are used to sinning. If you're a sinner, raise your hand. All right, everybody look around. No, just kidding. It's everybody, right? We know that. Come on, people, you guys are disciples. You're in internships. You've paid money to be, you know, successful Christians here. <laughs> all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that, all right? So... That leads us to the question of how, how do we deal with this? Because we want to be effective in prayer. Yet all of us face the pain and the barrenness of knowing our own sin life. And so if we want to be effective in prayer, and we know that that exists, what do we do to become effective in prayer even when we've sinned? Are you with me? It's real simple. Very rarely done, but very simple answer. When you come before God, start off repenting. And the cool thing about Jesus is... He forgives you. Ah, good day. And so one of the things that we like to do, now we don't, put, uh, we don't really put language to this, but one of the things, I, I just know this because I've been doing accountability groups for so many years, that here's one of the things we often do. We often think in our head that if we'll come in and just engage, it'll offset the sin, God will kind of forget about it, and it'll get lost in the sea of forgetfulness, because we like that term, you know, and, and somehow it's just gone. But let me tell you something. It's very, very easy to get clean quickly. You come before God and rather than just kind of trying to forget about that and hope you can kind of get into a prayer groove, come before God and, look, and, and when you're about to engage, just go, God, I repent of, and just begin to name them. Now you say, but David, I don't want to do that because if I do that, it's going to make me repent all the time. Yeah, welcome to Christianity. And it's not one of those things where you go, well, but if I say that, I might remind God that I'm a sinner. He knows. Trust me, he knows. The issue is not, does he know or not? The issue is, are you getting clean before him or not? And what happens is, is when you start to do that, it just kind of creates like uh, an, an easier flow. It's an easier connect. God already knows everything that you've done. He knows every action. He knows every intention of the human heart. And so every time that you come before him and you just repent, it's not like you're telling him stuff he doesn't know. He's looking at you going, man, I was waiting for you to tell me that. I was waiting for you to repent of that. Right on, little guy. All right, come on. Now let's pray. Let's get after it. Let's go for it. Are you with me? And so one of the things, if you want an effective prayer life, be it in a prayer meeting, be it 20 years from now when you're leading prayer in your local church or you're leading your family in prayer or whatever it is, my hope and my prayer is that every single one of you become people that systematically, diligently lead prayer. And one of the quickest ways to get your heart clean before God and to not only feel effective but to actually be effective is to just get clean right at the beginning. When there's like this... When, there's, when you come in and you're trying to engage, you're trying to pray, and there's like this disconnect, go, begin to go through your week or go through your day or, or go through your life, and where there's envy, repent of it. Where there's unforgiveness, repent of it. Where there's lust, repent of it. Where there's pride or greed, pick whatever it is. And you go, yeah, but David, if I do that, man, I'll, I won't get into any intercession because I'll just be repenting for two hours. Well, great. Go for two hours of repentance that day. Aim for intercession the next day. Or 
Just come before God and just make it all in one fell swoop. God, I repent. I messed up. Forgive me of, and then just kind of greed, comma, lust, comma, anger, comma. But get as clean as you can. I'm telling you, try this. Try it this week. I I promise you, it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like cleaning up some of the, the static, you know, in your relationship with God. When you're communicating with God. All of us know cell phones and we know what it's like to have a bad connection. It's like that kind of thing, right? I'm telling you, when you'll come before God and you'll just repent, there'll be less because you'll just start to get your heart clean and it'll be like, I can really sense the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I'm clean before Him. And the Holy Spirit inside of you will make you holy. And so I know that most of us know this theoretically, but very few of us actually do it in practice. Because it feels like work, but I'll tell you, you'll find some life in it if you'll just come before God and say, God, I, I, I repent of my envy of that guy. My pride that is causing me to do A, B, and C. The lust that's in my heart. You're not giving him new information. And I promise you, as you step into that, you'll feel like you've got like you got escorted into God faster. In the sense of, you sense a nearness. Not every time, but in the, even specifically in the knowing that it's right and that you're repenting. Ever been in the airport and you're walking and all of a sudden one of those glorious moving sidewalks comes along and you're like, oh, thank you, God. You know, that's my favorite thing. Why? Because you're still doing the same amount of work, but you're going a lot faster. I've found that sometimes when I'll just repent of my sin, when I'll just say, God, I could spend the next hour screaming and spitting this, you know, Matthew 11, but I need to repent of this, 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 this. It's like getting on a moving sidewalk and it just gets, it helps escort me into what God's calling me to do faster. So repent, repent of your sins. Try it. Done work. Try it again. <laughs> Done work. Try it again the next day. Um... So number one, I think that uh, one of the most important things is, uh, is repenting. And so uh, number two, uh, repenting in order to have a consecrated heart and holiness. Holiness matters in, in terms of effectiveness in prayer. Number two, we're all familiar with this verse. I'm going to read it to you. But number two is boldness. All right? Boldness. Boldness is a little bit of a weird idea because sometimes when we think boldness, we have kind of lowered it to mostly thinking about uh, somebody's personality. And most of us kind of would uh, categorize timidity or boldness based upon a personality attribute. You know, we think, we think of bold people as, you know, dogmatic people, but we have a command let me read it to you. To enter into the throne of grace with boldness. Let's read it. Hebrews four fifteen and 16. For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So that's saying Jesus, as a man, was tempted like we are. Okay? Let us therefore, in knowledge of that, knowing that he conquered every sin, but knowing full well knowing full well that he has conquered every sin, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is intriguing to me. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace. 
the easiest way for you to actually run quickly to the throne of grace or approach the throne of grace with boldness all depends on your image of God. When you have an image of God, of a God that's going to receive you, welcome you, smile at you, you will be bold. When you imagine an omniscient, omnipotent God who is perfect, who is holy, and he is the one who loves you and desires you, it's easy for you to go, you know what? If I approach the throne of grace, I'm going to find mercy there. Many of us think that when we approach the throne of grace, we're going to find a God that's going to spit upon us and puke on us, and it's done, man. But if you believe in the cross, you believe that Jesus did truly forgive you, you come before him, and you imagine a God that's smiling, that delights in you, you will be able to boldly approach the throne of grace. And so when we say boldly, I'm not talking about in intercession where you come up here and that your measure of boldness is based upon how loud you can scream in a microphone. The decibel level, you know. Are you a Josiah that's soft-spoken or are you Amy Mayer that breaks the sound system, you know? I'm not talking about that. I am talking about an inner boldness that says I'm so confident in who God is. I'm so confident that he's going to that I'm going to find mercy there, that in your heart there is a letting go of all the other things and in your heart moving forward and throwing yourself on the throne of grace and going, I'm going to find mercy when I come here. And so you come to God with boldness. And when you believe that, when you believe that you have a God that loves you, that wants you to come near him, you will approach him. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, Yet the Lord longs, say longs, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait on him. It's the longing of God's heart to be gracious to you. It's what he wants to do. But he wants you to come before him. When you have a, when you have a confidence that he likes you, you'll just start asking. And I, I, I take this as uh, this idea of boldness and I try to apply it just to little things, not just the formal, open up your Bibles to Romans 5 and let's, you know, have the formal prayer meeting. But even in your day-to-day -day life, as you're going to Pikes Peak Community College, as you're, as you're doing, you know, around the church, as, as you're doing whatever it is you do, working at Subway or Burger King or something, you know, like daily in the little things, coming to God with boldness. Even in the things that seem small and, 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 and truly asking God in things that even feel small. And if, if you really come before God and you really believe that you're going to find mercy there, it's easy to have a consistent uh, conversation with God or a prayer life with God that is kind of ongoing. Because you know that when you come before him, you're going to find a God that wants to give you that stuff. So you don't look at it as, well, this is kind of too small of a thing to talk to God about. But it means you get in your car, you feel tired. Oh, oh, I feel tired. God, can you give me, give me strength? That prayer matters in the kingdom. Right? I, I, I have a confession. Um, today, I went to lunch with Austin Brammer, and uh, I ate too much. I'm guilty of the gluttony of sin, or the sin of gluttony. And um, <laughs> don't put that, erase that. All right. The sin of gluttony. I mean, I ate too much. All right? I came in here, I was like, Austin, I ate too much. He's like, let's pray. Really? All right. And you know, I think, and so he prayed for me. I was like, 
I did this to myself. Like, I don't know that, I don't know how God handles that. Like, and he was like, I don't care. Let's just pray for it. And I think that's significant. I think that's a way of just bold. I mean, he just lost his eternal reward because I just broadcasted to the world. But anyway, <laughs> what you do in secret, God will reward you for. What gets broadcasted all over the world, no credit. So I just lost it. You better do it again afterwards. <laughs> I won't mention the 24-7 fasting or they might lose the reward in heaven. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. All right. <laughs> Mwah. All right. But when you have a confidence that you're going to find mercy and that you have a God that's smiling and delighting in you, even in those little things, it helps you to develop even that intercessory prayer throughout the day. And nothing's too small because you authentically believe that he wants to give you good things, that he longs, he really desires to give you good things. My daughter, Olivia, is one years old and I I think she's perfect. Uh, She sleeps for 14 hours a night. I kid you not. She smiles all the time. She says, da, 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 and she smiles at me. Last night for Halloween, she was a butterfly or Halloween night because we don't believe in Halloween. We just get candy at church on Halloween. Anyway, and so, uh, so, she, so and I, she's the delight. I mean, she's the delight of my life, all right? And you know what? Every time she gets up from her 14-hour night, there's the one thing she wants. First thing in the morning, she wants her cereal, all right? And so consistently, I'm the person that's getting this cereal for her. And she, with a smile on her face, she, now she doesn't quite talk English. She talks, you know, baby talk. But I know baby talk. I know, I, 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 I know, no one else understands these words, but I know very well that b means bowl. Just kind of, and it kind of spits when she says it. Buh. Like that, that means bowl. And she says it, and she, and I get it for her. And I love getting it for her. I love getting the little bowl for her. It's very, when she says, Guck. That means milk. <laughs> she says boo means spoon. And you got to like, it's just, you got to know her and know how. But I mean, you, you develop this. She's got these little syllables that she says, and I know exactly what she's asking for. And it's the delight of my heart. Sometimes I, you think, man, I got to be this intelligent intercessor. I got to be someone that can uh, quote what the order of the priestly order of Melchizedek is. And I've got to have, you know, be able to really understand prayer. No, there's sometimes you're just looking at God and you're just like, <clears throat> and it kind of feels little rough and ugly, but God's going, you know my heart for you. I like that, and I want to give that to you. When you have a confidence that he longs, desires, he wants. I love that word longs. He's, he's longing to be gracious to you. It's not like in Hebrews 4, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, what shall we call the great throne that forever the the God of the ages sits upon, the one that redeemed mankind? What shall we call that throne? Let's call that the throne of wrath. It's forever the throne of grace. So I picture, it's the throne of favor. Unmerited, undeserved, average, boring old me. And God goes, sure. I like that. But be bold. That's one of the things about children. Children have, children, when they're, you know, really small, 
just innocently just assumed you're just going to give it to them. Like they have no, everybody with like little brothers and sisters, Annalise on the front row is going, yeah, that's right. Because you know, that's the way little kids are. They, they have no concept of that you wouldn't do it. They're like, of course you will, I asked. Sometimes I think when Jesus says, you know, be like a child, we, get, we come to God like that as a child, just like, of course he wants to do it to me. He's the God that sits on the throne of grace that longs to be gracious to me. Why wouldn't he want to give this to me? Boop. Boop. Goes, yeah, I want to give that to you. So for me, the way that that plays out is a, a trying to develop a confidence day to day, whether it be the formal prayer meeting, whether it be the, the prayer life during the day. God, do this. God, help me. No prayer is too small. No prayer is disqualified. No prayer. Number three. Forgiveness. Oh. Forgiving one another. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 reads like this in the message. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and are about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, Come back and work things out with God. This year at Furnace Retreat, one of the things we did is we had you guys repent to each other. You remember that? Any grudges, right? See, when we come before God, one of the things that we want to do is we want to try to have, we want to be united, and we want to be people that don't have any, any, any unforgiveness in our hearts. And one of the things that we find in the scriptures is this thing is when you come to God, make sure that you're right with your fellow man. It's not something that we usually think about. Because we place so much emphasis on personal relationship with God, which is right. Uh, but in addition, when you, you find Jesus talking about getting things right with your brother or sister. Making sure that there's rightness. And so I, I, I was, I always, I just sometimes we did that when I was in youth group, you know, when I was growing up. And they'd make you like get things right. I always had this long line of people that were like, I've hated you for years. <laughs> anyway, I, I intentionally missed that part, but... Anyway, uh, that's one of the things that is so important, I think, uh, that you make sure that your, that your heart is clean towards others. And if you just want that moving sidewalk, that thing that accelerates you, that will help you have more effective prayer, make sure to try to get things clean with whomever there may be uh, frustration with or pain or unforgiveness. Now, here's what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is, is that, that we are trying to do all of these things before we pray so that we have an, an effective prayer life. Does that make sense? What this is, is we're, we have a prayer life and as this journey continues, we consistently do these things in order to become more effective. So don't think, well, because I don't have A, B, C, and D right, I'm not going to pray. Think, I'm going to be obedient to the command to pray much. I'm going to be obedient to prayer. And along the way, I want to become more effective. And so along the way, I want all of these prayers to catch up to me. I want all of these prayers to be effective. So I'm going to make sure that I do all of these things that are mandated in the Word of God. And so uh, I, I, I've, I've developed one of the things for me. Sometimes I'll be about to pray or whatever. And, uh, or, and, and there's like this wrestling and I'll, I'll, I'll think of someone that I've got stuff in my heart towards or I think that they might towards me. And so you can take this and you can run with it if you want. But, but for me, there's kind of this, uh, 
let me just let me just let me just say it this way. Imagine the scripture saying, "Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, text him." <laughs> That's what I do. Sometimes when I'm just trying to be just trying to pray and it's kind of like impossible to like go find him, but I want to deal with it right now. Let's say, "Hey so and so, love you. Forgive me for my time I screamed at you yesterday and you know whatever much love David and then it's like oh you know and then the heavens open no not really but it's just a, it's a way to kind of clean up your heart you know and uh and just get before God and just say all right God I want to get that clean and if we're honest so many of you in your own life often have so many people that you've harbored bitterness toward you have friends or peers people that you haven't forgiven and one of the one of the greatest ways to uh, throw some caffeine in your prayer life to throw some energy and some enthusiasm and some effectiveness is get a clean heart forgiveness is just part of what the Bible talks about when it comes to prayer number four it's important that we're united unity is one of the things that the scripture talks about when it comes to effective prayer Matthew 18, verse 19. I'll read it again in the message. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. One of the ways that we demonstrate this, both at the gathering as well as prayer meetings, as well as uh, 24-7 prayer meetings, as well as, uh, you know, in, in, in any prayer situation is when someone is praying something that you resonate with, it's not like just a charismatic Pentecostal thing to go, that's good, or amen, or come on, or something like that. I don't know that you say that, but I don't know what you guys say. Woohoo! Uh, some people I hear say, come on, somebody. But anyway, um, I think that that is a physical expression of a resonating in your heart which is making the statement I'm united with you in that prayer I'm standing with you in that prayer and when you do that there's a verbal agreement with that person which is a, a verbal agreement to God that says I resonate with that I stand in I'm united with that prayer and I'd encourage you guys when we go into prayer we want to be we want to come united it's one of the reasons why uh, at furnace prayer meetings I have you say the, the scripture reference so that people can turn there and contend with you in prayer and come united in prayer does that make sense it's why it's why we try to have the whole room engaged because we want to make a united effort to say your kingdom come your will be done and whatever the specific prayers it's uh, it's we're stronger when there's unity Jesus prays in John 17 that we would possess unity God likes unity and when we want effectiveness, it's important that we're united. I think that sometimes, uh, even as you go to prayer meeting, one of the, one of the ways that, uh, one of the things that I encourage you to do, pray with people that you resonate with. Now, obviously, there's times where you're praying with people that you don't know or people that you've just met. But in a consistent, in a, in a consistent way, I think it's great to pray with people that you, that you resonate with. Because it will, you guys will feed upon each other. You, it's easier to be united. 
You know, like, uh, let's just take the, uh, our, these furnished prayer meetings, for example. You know, some of you are going to unite with a Jariah Williams on Sunday night who's praying Song of Solomon and the love of God and lost somewhere between, you know, God's poured out love heart for Jesus and the Holy Spirit revealing the love of God for us somewhere lost in the heavenlies. And you're like, that's me. And you're like, you've ravished my heart, you know, like that. And that's like you. You're like, man, put me in Sunday night. Some of you are going to more kind of connect with Brandon Salisbury. He's kind of that, he'll do the big creative thing and got a theme going and we'll have like, you know, like food matching what the theme of the prayer night is and it all just kind of works, you know, it's that kind of deal. Move the furniture around. Some of you connect with the old kind of screamy Amy Mayer, God, God, and you're like, that's my tribe, you know, that's, that's what I resonate with. And I honestly, I love that. I, 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 I understand what that means and what that looks like. I, and I think it's significant to stand united. Now, without a doubt, if you, if, if, I, I'm not saying that the style makes a difference in any kind of spiritual way, but I am saying that, especially for you furnace folk that are picking prayer meetings, you, could, you may pick based upon your schedule, but you may pick according to where it's easy for you just to engage and you can stand united. And I think that's great. I, that's why I think more is better. I think more prayer meetings, more people, more personalities, you know. Why? Because, so we can come before God, make a united effort. God, we want your will done on the earth. Last one. This one's just for fun. This one's just for extra credit. All right. Extra credit here. First Peter 3 7. This is just for your future. All right, just mark this down as an investment in tomorrow. Husbands, <laughs> in the same way, be considerate. I just found this one interesting. In the same way, be considerate as you live as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner as, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Why? Look at this. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Hmm. Just invest that, men, as you look into your future. Uh, if you disrespect your wife, it hinders your prayer life. I just think that gives us a little window into the personality of God. He looks down, he says, man, that guy's being a punk to his wife. Psh, just, just try to talk to me, sucker, you know? <laughs> Ladies, you can just take that and run with it and go, God likes me, God likes me, God likes me. Make sure that you put that in your, uh, in your vows on your wedding day. If you're mean to me, your prayers will be affected and hindered. But <laughs> Here's the things that I want us to get tonight. I want us to get this. Your prayers make a measurable difference on the earth. Last week we talked about a little bit more philosophical things. Tonight are a little bit more kind of spiritual things in terms of your own personal walk with Christ. That if you'll do these things, you'll be more effective in prayer. I'm not, doing, I'm not giving you this talk tonight to entertain you. I'm giving you this talk because we've made a decision to be people that come before God every night and cry out for revival in this generation. And I want us to be as laser sharp as we can be. I want us to have as few things keeping us from being effective because we believe that this is not a spiritual discipline that we're engaging in because we're devoted. We believe that this is actually changing the world. 
And that's why we do it. And so we want to be as effective as we can be. And so last week when we talked about Exodus 17, and I kind of started off this whole idea of talking about these things that affect our prayer lives, and we talked about that there's a very real battle going on. Moses has his hands up, and if the men have, are holding his hands up, then, he's effect, then all of a sudden the... The Israelites are winning, and when his hands go down, the Amalekites are winning, and that the people on the battlefield, you know, they, they don't have time to glance up and see if Moses' hands are up or not, but they, they know that they want Moses' hands to be up for sure, because if Moses' hands are up, they're winning. And there's this human dynamic where God decided to not just destroy the Amalekites, but to use human beings to actually fight on the battle, Human beings to actually stand in prayer, and yet God's the one in control. Bizarre idea. Bizarre Old Testament story. But I believe a perfect picture of what our prayer lives are like. Your crying out to God is not what makes a difference. God makes the difference. You don't have some kind of energy within you. No, it is God moving, but it's you crying out to God and God saying, okay, I'll use you as the conduit. Are you with me? And God goes, I'm going to move. I want you to pray. I want you to lift the hands. I want you to do it. And kind of the, these ideas are us being more effective in lifting the hands. Does that make sense? It's us being more effective in making sure that those are up, that we're praying, and that God's moving. And that we're defeating the enemy. And man, can you imagine? Can you imagine if we invested? If you invested this year. 24-7 furnace. If you invested a year and you went to prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting and found out that you were ineffective because you weren't united, you had bitterness in your heart, you hadn't forgiven others, you were sinning. Oh. No, we want to come before God and with one united voice, be like this battering ram that says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And in this generation, God. And so that's why I want these things to go deep inside your heart. Pray these things. Meditate these things. I mean, get them in you. Preach them. Talk to them. Like, go find, volunteer in children's ministry and yell at the three-year-olds these ideas. Do what it takes. But I mean, get them in you. We want to be effective in prayer. And I want anything that I can find, you want anything you can find in the Word of God that helps us become more effective, that helps us become stronger in the prayer battle. We, we, because we really believe it matters, because of that, then we want to make sure that these things are known, they're a part of our lives, and that we're effective in them. Are you with me? Will you stand up and let me pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we so desire to be effective in prayer. Individually as intercessors, corporately in the corporate prayer meeting, crying out, believing that you'll move in churches across the United States and across the world. And tonight, even in this closing, we stand in the gap on behalf of those, Lord God, that need fire in their heart, need passion rekindled, 
Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come. And God, I pray that this prayer furnace, this prayer gathering, young people that are so committed to be intercessors, people committed to prayer. God, I ask, Lord Jesus, you would give us the strength to work out everything needed to be effective. We want to put on the full armor. We want our weapons to be sharp. We want to slay the enemy. We don't want to sit around and spend our lives talking about philosophies and ideas. We want to do the stuff of the kingdom to expand it in our day. We want to be active in our pursuit of you. We want to be active in establishing the kingdom. And God, we're not content to sit on the sideline and talk about it. I don't want to waste a year or a month or a decade. So Holy Spirit, come tonight. Make each one of us an efficient prayer warrior. Unite this army. Unite this team to be effective in prayer, God. God, we want to be effective. God, we want to do the stuff. Holy Spirit, come. I just want you right now, just come before God, and I want you to make that your prayer. I want you to think of, to think of something that we talked about tonight that's hindering you from effect, being effective. Some of you have an area that you've only thought of the need to repent before God because of the command, but tonight it's coming alive that your destiny is hindered because you're not repenting of your sin. Your effectiveness in advancing the kingdom is hindered. Some of you know what it is to try to cancel out sin because you're, because you're, you're at prayer meetings all the time. It doesn't work that way. I believe God wants to supernaturally come and give some of you strength to become bold tonight. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. You just go, I, I, you know, I want to boldly approach the throne of grace. I've kind of, I've kind of seen it before, and I've, there's been seasons in my life where I was bold, but right now I, I feel timid. I just want to pray for you. Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for each one with their hand raised, Spirit of God, I pray that you would make them bold, that they would uh, approach the throne of grace with boldness, and that they would find mercy there, God. I pray for new measures of finding mercy when they approach your throne. We take the command of the scriptures to approach with boldness. And we say, God, we will not be passive and justify it out of personality. We will take the command to be bold and we choose to be bold, God. We choose to be strong. Fill us with divine might tonight. Take us far beyond what we can do with our own enthusiasm and do something supernatural within us, God.
God, I pray for 100,000 people to be affected because of the prayer warriors in this room tonight. I pray for prayer meetings all across the nation and local churches one day and nations that we don't even know that are represented tonight. I pray that there would be a conviction in this house that these prayers matter and that we would gather together and pray. We want to be effective. We want to be strong until you return. We want to gather and press. We want to gather and pray. We want to contend in prayer. We want to have faith for much. We want to approach the throne of grace with boldness. We want to be people, Lord God, that are united and united together. Come and say, God, have your way. Good days and bad days and hard days and easy days and sunny days and rainy days. We press for the fullness of God in our generation, God. We love you. We want to be faithful. Everything that you've called us to do, we know it's you that's doing it. We know it's you that's advancing your kingdom. But God, we want to do our part. We want to be faithful to the thing that you told us, that you commanded us to do. To open up the avenues for the power and the passion of Jesus in our generation. We give you praise. Everybody shout it, amen. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.